0: That's our theme this evening, and it reminds me of a story once related by Rabbi Kalbach, Kalbach, who used to hug everybody, and he once visited a maximum security prison, visiting the Jewish inmates there, and as his custom was, he hugged every single person he met and he knew how to hug. As he's walking out, he encountered this um, very big powerful muscular tall mighty prisoner and gives him a hug and moves on this muscular man screams out he says rabbi come back some people were very weary they were uh, somewhat afraid what this person might do to the rabbi after all they were very different types of people Different colors, different races, different backgrounds, different history, different class of people. What might happen? But uh, Shloymala, unfazed, came back. And this big muscular fellow tells him, he says, Can you do that again? Can you give me another hug? So this time he gives him even a bigger, warmer teddy bear hug. And then he asks him to hug him a third time. And he hugs him again. The man tells him, he says, you know, I never got a hug. Nobody ever hugged me throughout my entire life. And maybe if I was young and I received such a hug, the story of my life might have turned out differently. Tonight we're going to explore the dynamics of a hug from the Kabbalistic and Hasidic point of view for thousands of years Jews have been sitting in a sukkah during the festival of sukkahs in some form of a hut comprised of walls and a roof which is made of material that grows from the ground like branches or straw or bamboos etc how many walls does a sukkah have to have? open up source number one right below the video there is a PDF curriculum so the Talmud discusses this in tractate Sukkah, page 6, b. Vavah Med Bezag the Gemara, source number 1, Tonarabon on the Rabbis learnt, Shtayim Ki Two of the walls of the Sukkah have to be complete. V'hashlishis Afilu The third wall can even be one hand breath in its width. This means this. According to Jewish law, the walls of the Sukkah, have to be at least 10 Tfachim in height and 7 Tfachim in width. 10 Tfachim in height would be approximately 40 inches. Because then you're sitting actually in some type of hut, in some type of home, temporary home. If if the walls are lower than 40 inches then it's more like uh, you know a cave you have to crawl in it it's not a comfortable place to sit and eat and schmues and drink and relax and and hang out as Jews do during Sukkot in the Sukkah that's the minimal that's the height it can't be lower than 40 inches how about the width of the wall 7 fakham which is approximately 27 28 inch, inches that's the width Says the Talmud, only two walls have to be full size. The third wall can even be a hand breadth in its width, which means around three, three and a half inches. The third wall can be a tiny wall. Its width can be between three and three and a half inches. It can be even one tefach. A tefach is anywhere between 3.15 and 3.78 inches. I told you, around three and a half inches. It's fine. That is the law. And the Talmud goes on to explain how it's derived from the biblical verses. In Leviticus where the Torah describes the obligation for the Jew to sit in a sukkah during the holiday of sukkahs. And we learn from those verses that we need minimum two walls, two complete walls, and the third even a very small wall. If you're planning to build your sukkah this way, discuss it with a competent scholar or rabbi because there are another few requirements that you have to know for example that little wall with the width of uh, three three and a half inches has a few requirements and uh, you should know them now it's interesting the chidah one of the greatest uh, Jewish scholars the Italian great mystic and scholar and writer and researcher Rabbi Chaim Yosef David Azuloy, who lived in the 18th century in Italy, writes a very interesting comment. He says that the word sukkah, which is the Hebrew word for the hut that we sit in on Sukkot, actually describes the three methods through which we can build a sukkah. Open up source number two in your curriculum so you could see a visual graphic of it. Sukkah is comprised of three letters, samach, Chaf and hey. Look in source number two and keep on looking at it. Samach represents a full sukkah. A sukkah which surrounds us completely. A sukkah of four walls. The chaf, the second letter, represents the second way you can build a sukkah. Three walls and the fourth wall is open. Look at the chaf. The chaf has three walls. And finally, the hey represents a third way in which you can build a sukkah and it's kosher. And that's like a hay. The hay has complete, two, two walls which are complete, right? The roof on the top, and then the vertical wall coming down, and then the third little wall, which is a hand breath. it can be the width of three, three and a half inches, and that's also a good sukkah. So of course the best thing is to build a sukkah with four complete walls. But halachically, according to Jewish law, you fulfill the mitzvah also with the other two types of sukkahs, either like a chaf, or like a hay now every single law in judaism contains also psychological emotional and spiritual meaning we're going to explore tonight what seems like a very tiny small technical detail about the amount of walls and the size of walls and show how this law mirrors profound psychological, depth, meaning, and instruction to each and every one of us. And this is based on the teachings of two of the great mystics of Jewish history, Rabbi Isaac Luria, the Arizal, Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, known as the Arizal, the 16th century great Kabbalist from Tsefas, Safad, and the founder of the Chabad school of mysticism, Rabbi Schneier Zalman of Liadi, known as the Rebbe who lived in the 18th century. And the beginning of the 19th century. Passed away in 1812. Now, both Darizal and Rabbi Shreyir Zalman use a beautiful phrase in the Song of Songs, where the bride says these poetic words to describe her relationship with her groom. Source number three Song of Songs, chapter 2, the bride says, "Smiloi tachas l'roishi, His left arm lay under my head, sustaining my head, and his right arm embraces me. And Rabbi Isaac Lurius sees this description as describing two moments of the Jewish calendar, two times of the Jewish calendar. The days of awe, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are described as, as the days when Smoiloi tachas l'roishi, his left arm is under my head. The left arm represents in Jewish mysticism the quality of Gevura, awe, strength, and discipline. Those are the days of awe, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur, the high holidays. Following Yom Kippur begins the era when Yiminoi T'chapkeni, his right arm embraces me. The right arm represents love and kindness and generosity and giving. And that is the time of Sukkos V'Yiminoi T'chapkeni. His right arm embraces me. Sukkot, in other words, is the time when God's right arm embraces me, and according to the Arizal, that is what the sukkah represents. The walls of the sukkah, the hut which we sit in on Sukkot, is a is a divine embrace. What does this mean? Take a look at source number four. I want to study this together with you. This is a fantastic insight by the Arizal. Let's see. One of the works of Rabbi Isaac Luria is the Pri Chaim. Source 4 Preets Perik Vihine, he says, and behold, from the end of Yom Kippur until Shmini Atzeres, the eighth day of Sukkot, it all personifies the secret of a right arm embraces. the verse says, his right arm embraces me. And a few chapters later, Pri Etz Chaim, Shair Hagasuke's in the continuation of the source, the Rizal explains what he means. Where do we get this idea that a sukkah is an embrace and an embrace of the right arm? It's knowing what our sages say in tractate Sukkah Davov that the primary requirements for a sukkah to have two complete walls and the third wall even a hand in its width this represents the embrace of the right arm this means when a person embraces his wife, his spouse She's standing before him. They're standing facing each other, face to face. That's when I embrace you. I hug you. She's standing before him face to face, and then she is embraced by his arm.. Now in his arm, or her arm, there are three sections in the arm. Three compartments. Aleph,. The first section of the arm is, our arm is divided into three sections. The first is from the shoulder. Till the elbow. The second section is what we call the forearm, the arm itself, from the elbow till the wrist. And finally the third section is, From the wrist till the end of the fingers. These are three different sections and joints. Usually they could be in different directions. Although they could be straight, but they could be in different directions. So we have from the shoulder till the elbow, one section of the arm from the elbow till the wrist the forearm and then the actual fingers the palm of the hand from the wrist till the edge of the fingers says when a person embraces the other one if he's embracing his spouse with his right arm with his right arm so then the, the, you're embracing the person standing in front of you. So he embraces the left side of the nukva, the left, left side of his wife. In perik So her left waist is being embraced with the first section of his arm, the highest section from the shoulder till the elbow. Then the embrace continues, and with the forearm, he embraces the back of his wife. With the second section of the arm, from the elbow till the wrist. These are the two complete walls of the sukkah. These are the three complete walls of the arm. But then there's a third element of the embrace, and that's the small third section between the wrist and the edge of the fingers that comes around and it bends over and begins to embrace the right side of his wife's face. This is the deeper meaning of the two complete walls of Sukkah. And the third wall can be even a hand breath. Because the face of his wife does not get fully embraced, only a little bit of it, like a hand of it. What is Darizal saying? And look at the image. Look at the image at the end of this source. This image is not mine. It's in the Priyetz Chaim from Darizal. You see clearly the image. Take a look at it. This is the Sukkah. The Sukkah is a right arm's embrace. You have one wall, represents from the shoulder to the elbow. Complete wall. Second wall, from the elbow to the wrist. And then you have the third part, that's the third wall representing a much smaller embrace a hand breath, literally the hand breath, the hand itself from the wrist to the edge of the fingers and that is the minimal requirement of a sukkah, of course if you have a sukkah of three walls or a sukkah of four walls then it's a complete hug, it's not just a right arms embrace, it's what we call a teddy bear hug, a complete hug, much better but the minimal requirement of the sukkah is a right arms embrace because God is embracing us and as he explains so graphically in the style of Kabbalah using very often the metaphor of relationships between people on earth between the man and the woman the groom and the bride the husband and the wife and so forth that actually the embrace is focused on different parts of the body the first wall embraces the left waist of the person I'm embracing look I'm embracing you like this So this takes your side. The second section, the forearm, encompasses your back. That's what it embraces, where the right encompasses your back. And then my fingers come over to the other side and they begin touching the beginning of your cheek, the beginning of your face, at least a little part of it. The primary hug is the waist and the back, the full back of the person. And that's what sukkus represents. Now, Kabbalistic literature is... Written in riddles, in code language. Allegory parables are always used. It's metaphoric language and must be dissected. We have to demythologize the abstractions and the metaphors and be able to apply it to understand it. And this was one of the great contributions of the Hasidic masters because the Hasidic works actually took the Lurianic Kabbalah, the Kabbalah of Darizah, and made it palpable and applicable, especially the writings of Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, who wanted to bring down Kabbalah in a system which he called Chabad, Chachma binada, so that it can be assimilated and internalized within the structures of the person's mind and the person's heart, so we can apply it to our lives. Let us now understand what is the riddle, what is the metaphor that Arizal is conveying to us Beautiful concept. A hug, an embrace. But what does this mean practically? When I'm sitting in a sukkah and I'm eating soup, or I'm having a shmooz, or I'm learning, or I'm reading, or I'm having a drink, or some people sleep in the sukkah. What type of hug? Who's hugging me? I'm in a hut and there are walls around me and there's chach above me. What does this mean? God is hugging me with His right arm. I mean, it's nice to say that the walls are a hug, or an embrace, but... What does this mean? How do we understand it? How do we relate to it? What's the message? For this, my dear friends, we have to discuss love. I want to explore with you this evening. Let's go on a little journey and explore four different mediums through which we express our affection our love to another person our spouses our children our friends how do you express love? we want to examine four ways the first and obviously most basic way of expressing love is verbally through your words when I tell you, I love you, I appreciate you, I cherish you, I adore you. When these words are said sincerely and genuinely, I need not explain the profound impact they can have. The first medium and instrument to the expression of love is the power of words. Through words, different types of words, in different languages and in different ways, the words express our love. But then there's a second way. And that's what's known as the kiss. I don't just tell you I love you, I come over to you and I give you a kiss. And a kiss captures in it an intensity of emotion that words somehow can't contain. In a way, the kiss is telling you, I love you more than any words can say. And then there's a third way through which you can express love. And it's even deeper than the kiss. The gaze of your eyes. The silent but intense gaze of eyes. When two lovers look at each other. The Song of Songs says, Enecha your eyes are like doves. The groom tells the bride, or the bride tells the groom, your eyes are like doves. Doves, lovebirds, can gaze at each other for hours. And they cavil in looking at each other. And that's another form through which we express love. It's a very deep way of expressing love. I look you in your eyes. I don't have to speak. I don't have to touch. I don't have to kiss. I just look you in your eyes. Because eyes tell a very profound story. Eyes capture the soul. When I look you in your eyes, I can also see very deep things in you. Which is why, and you may try this, people will often become comfortable when you just look them in their eyes without saying a word. You can try it out. Go look somebody in their eyes. <laughs> look somebody in their eyes. Unwaveringly. Either after a few moments they're going to look away or they will start a conversation because it can become very awkward because eyes are extremely revealing. But in very real relationships between people, I can look you in your eyes and I'm comfortable and you're comfortable and on the contrary, Egen there's an expression the E, the Eigen in Yiddish. The eyes spoke, and the eyes were silent. Sometimes the gaze of the eye contains very profound emotions of love. Then there's a fourth way, and that's the hug embrace it's not only I tell you I love you it's not a kiss it's not looking at you it's I give you a hug I embrace you let's take a look at children children of course love all forms of love that is expressed to them children love being spoken to not spoken at but spoken to children love a good geschmack, a kiss yes not too often And not a choking kiss. But children sometimes love a kiss. And they of course appreciate when you look at them. (laughs) You look at them. You don't just look at your cell phone or Blackberry reading the text as they're talking to you. But above all, is it not true that children love Hmm. being hugged? Being held, embraced and hugged. Especially infants. Infants And a lot of children, even older, love the hug. They love the embrace even more than the words, even more than the kiss, even more than the eyes. The hug means so much. In fact, as we know today, it is indispensable to life itself. Infants who never get touched, never get touched, never get held, never get hugged. In so many instances after two years die. it's essential to life it's indispensable to life what's the secret of the hug what does the hug represent and it's fascinating that in the teachings of Hasidism all these four mediums of love are dissected and analyzed and the soul of each of them is brought out including the secret the soul of a hug there are two major differences between the dynamics of an embrace and the other three mediums of love. The other forms of love are all directed towards the beloved person's face. The back, the hug, is directed towards the person's back. When I talk to you, I'm talking towards your face. I talk to your face. I don't talk to your back. I don't say, Hey, turn around, let me talk to your back. I want to see your eyes, I want to see your face. When I kiss you, I kiss you on your cheeks, I kiss you on your lips, I kiss you on your head. usually don't kiss somebody on their back. And when I look at you, I want to see your face. I look at your eyes. So all the three mediums of love are directed towards the person's face. The hug is unique. You don't hug somebody on their face. As Darizal describes, you embrace them on their back. It's an embrace of the back. I hold your back. That's the uniqueness of Chibuk. There's one more difference. The other three forms of love don't grip the person. They don't seize the person. I speak to you. You can go away. I kiss you. You can go away from the kiss. I look at you, you can move away, you can look away. But when I hug you, you can't move anywhere. (laughs) I'm holding on to you, it's almost like I don't let you leave. I'm almost forcing you in my grip. Only the hug has that dynamic. That I don't let you tear yourself away from me. Now once we will grasp the spiritual energy behind a hug, once we will understand the soul of a hug, we will understand how these two unique characteristics of an embrace, its target being the back, number one, and the gripping hold on the embraced one, number two, are actually interdependent upon each other. You see, there are two two types of love. There's what we call reciprocal love and what we call unconditional love. Reciprocal love is a love in which I cherish you and I adore you because of you, your personality. There's something about your life that enriches my life. And I love it. It may be your kindness, your honesty, your depth, your candidness your wisdom your intelligence your humor your ambition your creativity your approaches your perspectives your twist on things whatever it may be it may be something i can't even describe in words it's just something special about you something unique about you that attracts me to you my life is enriched by my relationship with you. Without you, my life would be so much shallower, so much emptier, so much more impoverished. Ask yourself, what is it that your beloved one adds to your life, gives you in your life? It may be very practical, very pragmatic, very deep, emotional, and so on and so forth. This is a powerful love it's an intense love and it's the love that's expressed in words in a kiss and in a gaze and that's why they're all directed towards your face because your face is the primary location of reciprocity I receive from you what I can get from you usually through your face through your mouth through your intelligence through your words through your eyes The primary seat in which your individual personality and uniqueness is expressed, the primary place where these features are expressed, is your face. So when I'm telling you I love you, when I'm looking at you with love, when I'm giving you a kiss, what I'm telling you is I love you because of your face. I love you because of that which you give me. You give me back so much. Your mouth, your words, your personality, your eyes, your intelligence, your heart, your soul. This is a very strong love, it's a beautiful love, it's a tremendous love. But at the end of the day, the love is based on the fact that I love you because of what you give me. Essentially, it's an extension of my own love, my self-love. I love you because I love myself and you give me so much. You add so much to the self. So in a way, what I'm saying is, as long as you're here for me, I'm here for you. As long as I'm enriched by you, you will be enriched by me. As long as I have your company, you will have my company. It's a beautiful love, but it's a love that its focus is ultimately what I am getting from you. You are reciprocating to me. That's why I'm calling it reciprocal love. And this is the face-like love. I look at your face and I say, I appreciate you. What I see in this face is so moving to me. But there's another type of love, and that's the love that's expressed by an embrace where I'm hugging your back, not your face. I'm not kissing your cheeks, and I'm not talking to you, and I'm not to your face, and I'm not looking at your eyes. I'm actually embracing your back. And what this represents is, my love's target is that place, your back which lacks the ability for reciprocating in any meaningful way. The back is not seen as the primary location of the human being's uniqueness and individuality and personality. In fact, it's very hard to recognize the differences from pe- between people when you look at them from their backs rather than from their faces. So when I'm hugging your back, what I'm telling you is, I love you. I love you unconditionally. I love you absolutely. I love you not because I love myself and you're giving so much to me, but I love you because I love you. I love you. My soul loves your soul. So while gazing and speaking and kissing are directed towards your face, the hug is directed towards your back. And that's why there's a grip. This. There's a love which represents the fact that I'm not letting you go. You may not even want it. You may not even love me. You may not give me anything back in return. But it's not about me. It's about you. I love you. You're pulling yourself away. From a kiss, you pull yourself away. From a gaze, you move away. I'm speaking to you. You're speaking to somebody else. It happens all the time. I'm talking to you. You're talking to somebody else. From a hug, you can't go away. You don't go away from a hug. What does this represent spiritually, emotionally, on a deeper level? Of course, practically. (laughs) As you and I know, there can be fake hugs. There can be superficial hugs. There are professional actors who hug and don't mean it. We're not discussing that, of course. Just like a kiss can be fake. And I love you can be superficial and shallow and skin deep. And a person can be disingenuous and, and dishonest. But we're discussing the, the pristine form of each one of these expressions of love. What the hug represents is, I don't let you go. It's something that doesn't allow us to be separated. Because reciprocity is not a factor here. It's a different type of love. It's a different love. I love you not me you that's why I asked in the beginning of the class did you ever hug somebody do you know how to hug somebody do you know how to give a real hug a hug which says I love you unconditionally absolutely no strings attached Has anybody ever hugged you like that? Were you ever hugged? Always tell the chavra, you know, sometimes you hug somebody and you start pounding on their back. You start banging their back like this. Not good. That's not a hug. That's not a hug. Why are you pounding their back? It's almost pounding their back is a form of covering up the possible vulnerable experience of the hug. It's also almost demonstrating a certain superiority. Oh, you're a good boy, you're a good guy. When you hug, you have to melt. When you hug, you just, just hug. Just hug. Don't start pounding, don't start banging, don't start hacking at China. Just hug. Let you and the other person melt away in the mutual, non-judgmental embrace of unconditional affection and love. How healing that can be. Try it. Give it to others. You see why children want to hug more than anything else. Yes, a child got a boo-boo. Oh, I hurt my finger. You can get a band-aid. You can quiet them down. You can assure them that it's not dangerous. But you have forfeited the most valuable opportunity, and that is to lift them up and hold on to them and hug them in their back, embrace their back, and basically silently convey the message. I will always be here for you unconditionally. I love you not because of your achievements. Not because of your successes. Of course I appreciate your achievements. And I appreciate your successes. But that is not what justifies my love to you. I love you at your core and in your core. Beyond your achievements. Beyond your projections. Beyond your external Powers beyond of what you project to the world which I appreciate and I adore I love you at your core that's not conditional it's not about what you do it's not even about who you are today it's about who you are at your core at your essence which will never change because core doesn't change <inaudible> the great philosopher said the core doesn't change that's right about what you do, it's not about what you say, it's not about what you look like, I may appreciate it very, very much, and I express that to you, but that's all the words, a gaze, a kiss, deeper and deeper and deeper, the words and then the kiss and then the gaze, but then there's a hug, I love you at your core, Mama, at your essence, beyond what, you, beyond what you do, beyond what you say, beyond what you achieve, even beyond who you are today. That's what children need Children want that hug They want that unconditional Promise I just love you That's what a soul needs That's what a person needs That's what the inmate was telling Shlemullah That's what he felt That's what I need Now, now, my dear brothers and sisters, we'll be able to understand Sukkos in a new way. You see, everything we've been discussing exists also in our relationship with God. We talk about love. The love of God to the person, the love of the person to God. But you see, all year around, save Sukkos, God speaks to us God kisses us God looks at us But that's directed towards our face Not towards our back Sukkus is is when he embraces us Sukkus is the embrace that Sees the back as its primary target I embrace your back Not your face You see, all year around, God's light is communicated to us as a result of the choices we make in our lives. The more we fine-tune our bodies, the more we fine-tune our psyches to the higher truth of reality, to the depth of existence, to the core of consciousness, the more we allow ourselves to hear the echoes of the still small voice of the divine resonating in the depths of our souls. All year, it's our work, it's our challenging ourselves, which allows us to feel God's presence in our lives. It's our work, which allows us to experience God's love to us. The more I refine myself, the more I challenge myself, the more I fine-tune the debris, the more I excavate the depth beyond the crude, brute, thick layers of my ego and my animal consciousness and I get to the deeper light, the more I can feel the light of my soul, the light of God. The more I declare war against my addictions, against my unhealthy appetites, against my destructive habits, The more I challenge my ugly temptations, the more I can sense God's kiss, and in a very powerful way. If I challenge myself, I'll be able to feel His love in ways that I could not imagine. In other words, throughout the year, God's love is directed towards my face, towards the place where I demonstrate my commitment, my interest, my passion for honesty, for growth, for truth, for transcendence. My face, which represents the place where I'm expressing my interest, my involvement. That's the target. That's the place where I receive the love in return. And it's fascinating because go through the Jewish holidays. And each holiday represents another form of love. Pesach, Passover. Pesach says the Holy Arizal. The Rabbi Isaac Louis is made up of two words. What are the two words? Pesach. A mouth that speaks. What's the primary mitzvah of Passover? You should speak to your children. Speak, speak, speak to them. Communicate to them. Don't be silent. Speak. Passoch a mouth that speaks in Hebrew. Passover. God speaks to us. Shvu is, is what shvu is. The Kabbalah describes the Torah. When a Jew learns Torah, the Kabbalah describes it as an ashikin, it's a kiss. Is Dapkus berucha? When I kiss you mouth to mouth, my inner spirit, so to speak, breath goes into your breath. What's Torah? Torah is Anon Nafshik The beginning of the Ten Commandments given on Shavuos are with the words of Anoichi. The word Anoichi, which is an acronym, the Gemara says, Talmud says in Shabbos, Anon Nafshik Savas I have transcribed my soul into Torah. When I give you Torah, I'm giving you. My inner soul. Moses tells the Jews, God spoke to you face to face. The emphasis not just He spoke to you. It was face to face. It was from a faith to a faith. Shavuos is God's kiss. His inner breath can go into our breath. When I learn Torah, His inner breath is internalized in mine. Then you have Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah in Yom Kippur, God gazes at us. Passover, He speaks to us. Shvuas he kisses us. Sheshana he looks at us. Kivakar aseroye edrei mavritzai neitachal shifte we say in a one of the holiest, most heart-stirring prayers of the High Holidays. As a shepherd reviews his flock, bringing each sheep under his scepter. Kain v'sisker v'sifke v'simna. God scrutinizes and looks at every single creature. Yomim the days of awe, the days of year of awe, yearah, the letters of Reia. the word Yira in Hebrew, awe, fear. Yudresh aleph, the same letters like Reia, seeing. It's seeing that inspires awe. The famous Shaloh, Rabbi Yeshaya Horowitz, the 16th century great rabbi from Prague and Frankfurt and Jerusalem, Rabbi Yeshaya Horowitz, Isaiah Horowitz, the Shallah. Shnei Luchas Habris writes, the famous verse says, When a lion roars, who will not fear? And he says, Arieh is an acronym, the lion. Elul Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Rabbah, Arieh, Elul Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Rabbah. But the primary time is Elul, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, the first three letters. And Aryeh is the same letters like Re'ia, seeing, and Yira, or Mila Yira, who will not fear and who will not see. So Passover, He speaks to us, He kisses us, Rosh Hashanah, Kippur, He looks at us, He gazes at us. Very deep silence, very deep awe. Now Sukkot, Sukkot, He embraces us. Sukkot, He hugs us. And let me explain What is Sukkot? What is the mitzvah of eating in a, sitting in a sukkah? What is the mitzvah? the mitzvah consists of doing whatever you do the rest of the year in your own time when you do it in the sukkah it's a mitzvah what's the mitzvah what are we commanded to do in the sukkah not to learn Torah necessarily not to pray necessarily not to meditate necessarily not to give charity necessarily I mean you could do all these things but to eat to drink to sleep, to chat, to read, to schmooze, to relax, to hang out. Whatever we do all year around, and we consider mundane, secular, personal, individual desires, suddenly when I do it on Sukkot in a sukkah, I'm performing a mitzvah, I'm sleeping in the sukkah, a mitzvah. I'm taking a drink of water in the sukkah, it's a mitzvah. Why? Because on sukkah, the mitzvah is not what I'm doing, but where I'm doing it. All year I eat, it's not a mitzvah. It's a necessity, it's not a mitzvah. Sometimes I eat things that are not a necessity, unfortunately. Sleeping is a necessity, but sometimes I can sleep extra, it's not a necessity. And even when I'm sleeping, what I have to, it's not a mitzvah. Tefillin is a mitzvah. Mikvah is a mitzvah. Zuzah is a mitzvah. Yom Kippur is a mitzvah. Shofar is a mitzvah. Sukkah, suddenly I'm sleeping, I'm eating, I'm chatting, I'm schmoozing. I'm schmoozing about the weather or about my schedule for tomorrow with you in the sukkah. It's a mitzvah. Why? It's not what I'm doing, it's where I'm doing it. Since I'm doing it in the walls of the sukkah, suddenly it's a mitzvah. Why? What's a mitzvah? A mitzvah means a medium through which I become connected to God. All year, if I want to become connected to God, I have to do a mitzvah. What's a mitzvah? A divine act. A sacred act. A holy act. Act of charity. Act of prayer. Study. Or any other mitzvah in the world. Six hundred and thirty mitzvahs. On sukkahs, what's the mitzvah? I'm doing my mundane things. I'm eating and sleeping and chatting. And yet, I'm doing it in the sukkah. It becomes a mitzvah. It becomes an act through which... I develop an intimate oneness and relationship with God. Why? Because it's in the walls of a sukkah. What are the walls of the sukkah? God's embrace. What's an embrace? An embrace is, I love you the way you are. I love your core. I don't love you because of what you do for me. I don't love you because I appreciate your greatness, because of your reciprocity, because what you represent to me. I love you I love you so Sukkot God tells the Jew I love you not just your face I love your back you're sleeping that's a mitzvah we're very deeply connected we're connected in your sleeping and in your eating and in your schmoozing Because I love you. It's not just because you're spiritual, because you work on yourself, because you sensitize yourself, because you challenge yourself, because your face. I love your back. I love your mundane activities as much as anything else. Because I love you. Not because of what you're giving me, not because of what you're achieving, not because of what your greatness is. So all year around, it's not a mitzvah. But when it's done in a sukkah, in the place of God's embrace, now it's a a mitzvah. Because that's what sukkah represents. So if you need a big, fat hug, spend some extra time this year in the sukkah. And give that hug to other people as well. A good night and a good Yom See you next Sunday night. we we'll have another special holiday class on the